0: We're going to be continuing our study, or our series, in Psalm 23. The title of this message this morning is, He guides me, Psalm 23, verse 3. He guides me along right paths. By the time we're done, we ought to all memorize Psalm 23. <laughs> Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies; you anoint my head with oil; my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for ever. Amen. Verse 3 is where we're focused this morning. Last week we looked at He restores my soul. Today we're going to deal with He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Father, once again we come before you, Lord, to prepare our hearts to receive your word. I believe, Lord, that all week long we've been in your presence, praying and looking into your scriptures, Lord. That I believe everything falls into place. You lead, you direct, Lord, and our hearts will be prepared to receive your word. And Father, I pray we believe as we receive your word with faith, trusting, Lord, ready to be led by you, Lord, to receive, be able to apply, oh, Lord God, to apply those principles that you reveal. And Father, I pray that as we leave this place, we'll recognize your love and your comfort, Lord. We'll recognize who we truly are in you and accept, Lord God, your word for what it says. Recognize the great sacrifice that was made for each one of us, Lord, that we can rejoice in the great victory prepared for us. And we can live that victory every single day of our lives in anticipation with great hope that we shall be with you for all of eternity. Amen and amen. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Did you know that every single one of us make choices? Did you know that all the choices we make, and this is important now, we make our choices and then what? Then they make us. Our decisions, our decisions in life, whether they be good or bad, make us. If we make good decisions, then we become successful. If we make bad decisions, then you well we're not so successful. We end up facing those consequences. I mean that's the truth. Every decision we make, well, has a consequence. And there's a well, potential for a blunder is really great because we're imperfect. Look to a person side and say, You ain't perfect. Or at least not as perfect as I am, but <laughs> amen. We make decisions. And because we're imperfect, we're setting ourselves up for a blunder. It's a possibility, a great possibility. Indecision, I think, is one of the greatest sources of our, of our stress in our lives. We just don't know what we should do. Father, we, know we want to know your will. And yet we, we stress out. And yet our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to be stressed out by our decisions questions of, do I go, don't I go, do I hold on, what do I do, do I keep doing what I'm doing, or should I try something else? James puts it this way, a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways, and all the ladies say, amen. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, not knowing what to do, right or left. In fact, I looked up the Greek word Dealing with this idea of unstable literally means staggering like a drunk. Staggering, being pulled in all different directions because you can't figure out which way to go. And when you're finding yourself in that kind of place, it creates enormous tension in our lives. And then after you make a decision, then what happens? You fall into the second phase where you're questioning whether or not you made the right decision. All it does is prolong the pain. How many people have a difficulty making decisions? Don't raise your hand. And if you do make a decision, you go back and you start questioning, was it the right one? Was the Lord going to be pleased with this? Or or should I change this? I don't know. Maybe it was, I just like to keep things the way they are. You say, well, Pastor Bob, what's the antidote to that? Well, the antidote is simple. You let God direct you. You let God guide you because the scripture tells us clearly that life's a journey and we need to enjoy the journey. We really should. And let's just not drift along with the current of time. Let's enjoy the journey and recognize the Lord has got a place for us. Amen. You know, God's given us a roadmap. How many times we've heard that as we're growing up? The roadmap. What's the roadmap? God's word. It's a roadmap for life. He's given us that compass. We could call it our conscience. Our conscience is only good if the word of God's in us. But he's given us that conscience to, to help us head in the right direction if we're listening. And of course he's given us a personal counselor you know when we were growing up in school we always had these counselors and what they were going to do was they were supposed to talk to you and figure out what you liked and what you weren't, what you didn't like and try to give you direction which way you should go and we would take these, we would take these tests that would <laughs> come up I remember taking this test where you would answer all these questions then they would tell you the things that you were more designed for. you know what my number one this Drove me nuts. I felt like a cotton-picking nerd. You know what my number one was? Librarian. <laughs> librarian. I said, you serious? A librarian? See, I told you I felt like a nerd. I used to hang around with the, you know, with the gearheads, and I'm trying of being a librarian. Now, the next things were like engineer and architect and those kinds of things, which would work. Kind of, that, that I didn't mind, but librarian? Are you serious? I wanted to know, what did I answer to cause me to be like that? I suppose investigation, maybe, and looking, I don't know. I try to justify the point, though. But anyways, we had counselors to help us out. Well, the scripture says, the Lord, given us a counselor, a great comfort of the Holy Spirit. I started thinking, you know, if, if I go into a city for the first time or a town for the first time, and you have a map, now, of course, we have GPS and all today, but if you have a map and you try to figure out where you're going and how to hold the map and what direction it is. I'm going to say it's a lot easier just to find a guide. Someone who's already been there could give you directions and tell you how to get where you're trying. Then you're trying to figure out this whole map, you know. It's just more difficult. Even if you use a compass, it's kind of more difficult. If you just have somebody who's been there, who walks, come on this way, I'll show you the shortcut, get you here, and you follow them, it's much, much easier. And the Bible tells us clearly that God wants to lead us in paths of righteousness. And we talk about paths of righteousness. What he's saying is, I want you to lead you on right paths. I don't want to mess up your life. I want to lead you on the right paths. And so you say, well, how do I get there? How do I get on that right path? How does he lead me? I want to know that. How does he lead me in these paths of righteousness? How does he keep me on the right track? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Well, look at that. Because I think that if we're going to be led by the Lord on the right track and make the right decisions according to His will, then there's some things we need to start to do, but there's also some things we need to stop doing. Because some of the things we're doing in our lives prevents us from actually being guided by the Lord to interfere with His will and not allowing us to follow Him, not allowing Him to lead us. And so the question really before us is this. You know, why is it so difficult for us to figure out what God wants to do in my life? Does God play games with me? Is he playing a hide and seek? Does he enjoy confusing me in my life? And of course, the answer is no, he doesn't. Any of that. And I think part of the reason is this, that somewhere along the line in the last several years, the church has put across the message and refocused our attention away from God's will and his word. I think the real issue is often we're looking in the wrong, we're looking for the wrong thing from our God. We're expecting certain things that he's not promised. And then when we don't receive it, we get all bummed out. We think we need more faith. We're or not, or not positive enough. Or wow, stop. We're looking, we're looking for the wrong things from our God. I understand we talked about it several times. We sing about it. God is good, and God is great. And we understand God has plans for our lives. Good plans, not bad plans. And he wants us to understand what those plans are. It's not that he wants to put his approval on our plans, he wants to Reveal to us His plan for our lives. He wants to understand that. And He's given us this promise. He's promised to guide us. Because as the Good Shepherd. He doesn't just feed us. He also leads us. We talked about that in the very, very beginning. He doesn't just correct us. He directs us. And He makes that promise to guide us in all things. And one of the, one of the evidences, one of the proofs that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is He's guiding you. Because He guides His family. Look at Romans 8.14 says, Because those who are what? Led by the Spirit of God are what? They are sons of God. So if you're being led by the power of God, by the Spirit of God, then you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're part of His family. Now, if you're not being led by the Spirit of God, you figure that out. Because I want you to circle that idea of being led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit, you are children of God. And I want you to see how important it is that we be led by the Spirit. And it doesn't matter what decisions we make. It doesn't matter if we're making a business decision, a relational decision, a financial decision, or a health decision. We need to get God's guidance in our lives. And so that becomes one of our questions. How how am I led by the Spirit of God? Well, we're going to first look at some things we need to stop doing. There's some things we need to stop doing so that we might be led by the Spirit of God. We need to be led by His Spirit. So the stop things are going to be like negative things we need to do. Number one, here's the number one thing we need to do. Stop. Don't follow the culture that doesn't follow God. It is so easy for us to get trapped in following the wrong group. You can't, for all my hunter friends, you can't chase two rabbits at the same time. You cannot, you cannot serve God in money. You can't serve God in anything else. And so right up front, you have to decide once and for all, who is going to be number one in my life? Because you can only have one number one. Look at Exodus tells us, don't follow the crowd in what? Doing wrong. That's an important verse of Scripture today. Because we get this idea, just because everybody else is doing it, it's Okay. Just because everybody else is doing doesn't make it okay. I mean, something can actually be legal in our country, but not moral. Amen. And we need to know the difference. You know, someone said, well, Pastor Bob, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. No. You can't follow the culture. You can't follow a culture that doesn't follow our God. Not if you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, you can't. Now, do you realize that there are actually, we know this, there's magazines out there, there's articles out there that will tell you what you're supposed to put on and what you're not supposed to put on. They'll tell you what you're supposed to say, how you're supposed to act, what you're not supposed to do, and what you're not supposed to act. And they put all this kind of pressure on you because you want to you want to do the right thing. And there's a great pressure for us to, to, to conform to our culture. Very culture we're supposed to be involved with, saving and setting free. The world wants to conform us to that culture. In fact, that was the biggest problem that the Israelites faced for over 4,000 years. They kept wanting to be like other nations. And God kept saying to them, no, 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 you're supposed to be different. You've been circumcised. I don't want you to do that. And so he gave them all kinds of moral laws. He gave them all kinds of civil laws and ceremonial laws. And he said, look it. This is what I want you to do. I want you to be different. And what I'm giving to you, my, it's intentional. Because you're my people. I don't want you to become a carbon copy of what everybody else is doing. I don't want you to become a carbon copy of all the other cultures. No. Paul would say this, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world in Romans 12, 2. But what? Be what? Transformed. How many times have over the years we read this passage of Scripture and said, look it, you're not to be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. And the way you break this conformity is being what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. you got to think different. Because only when you have your mind renewed, the Scripture goes on to say... Only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing perfect will. You've got to change the way you think. Before you'll ever know God's will. He's basically saying this. Don't copy the behavior of values of this world. Instead let God transform you. You've got to become a new person. By changing the way you think. Let me pause right here. Because this is extremely important with this passage of scripture. He does not want us to adapt to this culture. And the reason we don't know God's will is because we have adapted to this culture. You cannot think like the world and think like God thinks. So you have to decide right up front. And our young people have to decide. And I hope as families and grandparents, we teach our kids. You have to make a decision right up front. Do you want to be popular, fit in this world, or do you really want to know why God's put you on this earth? Stop trying to be a poor carbon copy of someone else. And read the passage of scripture, oftentimes you'll hear what is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because God has a will for our lives. He really does. You know, one of the weaknesses of following our culture of the crowd is it's temporary. Because whatever the style is today, next year it's not going to be it'll be out of style in no time at all. There's nothing worthless than yesterday's fashion. Unless, of course, you hold on to your fashion for 30 years. Because what goes around comes around. You know, wides, the ties get wide, and then they get narrow. And then they get narrow again. Hems go up and hems go down. You know? Here's what John had to say. The world and his desires do what? Pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Proverbs went on to say, he who walks with the wise does what? Grows wise, right? But the companion of the fools what? Suffers harm. Wow. Folks, there's a lot of bad advice out there. Proverbs is saying I want you to keep company with wise friends. Why? Because if you do that, you'll become wise. You know, if you associate with fools then what? You're going to be a fool. You're going to suffer great loss. Listen to me. And we said heard this before. You cannot soar like an eagle when you surround yourself with a bunch of turkeys, right? I like the next one I put up here. So you better pick your friends. You make sure that your friends you pick are wise and make sure they're all going and you all have the same mission in mind. That's what the strength is. I love that picture. The power that's in there. The, the, the majesty that's there. The strength that is there. The control that's there. I want to surround myself with those on the, with the, on the same mission. That's what I do. For God's glory. Dear children, John goes on to write, don't let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. referring referring to Christ Himself. He who does, amen, what is right is righteous. And say, so, well, Pastor Bob, does that mean that I have to give up all my non-Christian friends? Absolutely not. And stay with me on this. Listen to me loud and clear. God wants you to have friends who are unbelievers. And I give you a reason why I give you scripture. Here it comes. Jesus said, he, the Lord said that if you repent, of course, it's a big gift. If you repent, I will what? Restore you that you may what? serve me. Now, what's the key? You got to repent. If you repent, he says, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people return to you, but you must not turn to them. He said, I want you to be an influence on them. I don't want you speaking worthless words. I want you to speak words that are worthy. And if you will do this, you will be my spokesman and you will lead them. But don't let them lead you. That's important. I'm not asking you to fit in. He said, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm saying that you are going to be my spokesman to those non-believing friends. You are to influence them, but don't let them influence you. So you've got to make a decision every single day of your life. Are you going to be a thermometer or a thermostat? Think about there for a minute, the use of the two. What does a thermostat do? Or better yet, what does a thermostat do first? Thermostat does what? Controls the temperature, right? Brings it up or brings it down, it's in control. What about a thermometer? What does a thermometer do? Doesn't do anything. It sits there and it just tells you what the environment is, Right? So you have a choice. You're either going to live your life saying, I'm going to just fit in. I'm just going to, whatever the environment is, I'm just going to move towards it and just kind of be like it. Or I'm going to be someone who makes a difference in the climate. Someone who is up and down, controls it a little bit. That's what God's calling me to do. Am I going to be someone who just goes along with the crowd, just blends in, or I'm going to be somebody that God wants me to be to influence, the temperature, the environment. Because there's a whole lot of christians today who just simply don't get it they just simply don't get it first john chapter 2 15 says do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him and you say well wait a minute that seems like a contradiction because isn't that john wrote didn't john write god so loved the world so what is it are you supposed to love the world Or aren't you supposed to love the world? The passage there says don't love the world. John 3.16 says love the world. I'm confused. Seems like a contradiction. Not at all. When you understand the way the word is used in Scripture, you'll understand the difference. The way that word is used is different in Scripture. When you're hearing the word here, it's a don't love the world. He's talking about the world's value system. He's not referring to God's people or the people of the world. Scripture is very clear, and God Almighty will tell us clearly, you are to love the people, but you're not to love the value system. But the problem is we get it in reverse. We love the value system, we hate the people. And God says, no, 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 wait a minute. He's kind of got a smirk on his face saying, you got it wrong again. I understand, I've been aggravated by some of them to myself from time to time. But you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. You love the folks, you despise the value system. We're not of this world. We're part of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. We see things differently. We are not ones who are going to be republic We said it before Republicans or, 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 or liberals or, or Democrats or whatever. Listen to me. We're children of the Most High God, we're children of the kingdom, and therefore we see things differently. And maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes we agree with some of the policies of the Democrats, and maybe we do liberals, and maybe we do some. But ultimately, it's the kingdom of our God that's what we stand upon, only upon Him. So, a couple things. Number one: so far, we said this. If you're going to hear the power of God, you want God to walk through your life, then you can't follow the culture. You cannot and do not be led by friends, Amen, that aren't led by our God. Just do not do that. Stay away. Be careful. Our kids need to hear that. Number two. Don't look to other sources besides your God. If you really want to be led by the Spirit of God, don't look to other sources besides your God. And there's a whole lot of different sources out there. Somebody says, I'm looking for direction in my life. And so what do we do? We we go to television or we go over here, listen to our talk shows, whatever. (laughs) Listen to me. The direction in your life is not going to be found in those areas. The best place to find the direction about your life and where you need to be is to read the owner's manual and that's the word of God. Talk to the creator, talk to the one who made you. That's the one who you're going to find all about your life. Now there are a lot of other sources, we know that. What amazes me, there's actually some believers who believe they can be praying to God and at the same time reading the horoscope. (laughs) Get it! It's illogical and it's irrational. It makes no sense at all. And God is very clearly saying, "Look, it, if you want to know what's going on, you look to me and don't look to anyone else for your guidance." Because when you look at other sources for the guidance, maybe of your future, what you're doing, it's called divination. Divination is simply trying to find out about the future without going to the Creator. And there's all kinds of, of ways of, of doing that, fortune-telling predictions of the future like that stuff. Did you know in ancient times it was the most common way? that the people discern the future? I didn't know this. I found this out. And I said, you got to be kidding me. You know what? Did you know the ancient, it says up there, what was the most common? Boy, I'm good. I'm quick. You know how they discern the future? It was called, ready or not, consulting the liver. The liver. (laughs) Really? Yeah. They would actually sacrifice animals, cut out the liver, the liver was supposed to be the heaviest organ in the body. And then somebody would look at this liver and they would read it. They would say, yeah, mm-hmm, looks like it's a good day to go to war. And someone would say, no, no, you don't want to do that Not today. In fact, just go back to history. The Roman Empire was built on finding out what the liver had to say. In fact, no Roman soldier would go into battle without looking at the liver. And it wasn't just the Romans, the Babylonians and all the physicians and all those guys. They all went by this. That was the most common way of predicting the future. And in fact, it's even even recorded in the Bible. The king of Babylon, look what he does. He stops by the fork in the road. And he wants to seek omens, which way he should go. To cast lots with arrows. He then does consult the idols. And then what does he do? He will then examine the liver. Wasn't there a song like that? It was. Something about 50 ways to lose your liver. Come on. Do you remember that song? You remember that song? It was simple. You got to hop on a bus, Gus. Can't discuss much. Just drop on the key, lead and get yourself free. I'm dating myself, but that was a popular song. It went on. I think Simon, Garfunkel, somebody read the song that. <laughs> that kind of stuff's happening Today. There's palm reading and there's, there's tea leaf reading, right? There's the, the famous crystal ball that comes up and people read and look at tarot tar cards and horoscopes. and It's all called divination. It's looking for the future without, without looking to God. And the Lord's pretty He's saying, look, are you kidding me? He said, don't get caught up in calling the psychic hotline. Let me give you a little headline here, a little tip here. If you call the psychic hotline and they ask you for your credit number, credit card number, hang up because they should know it. Shouldn't they? I cracked up. I would go to <laughs> 372 going through towards Cromwell. There was a house sitting there that was for psychic reading and that sort of stuff. Yeah, on the side there. <laughs> a little while later, I go by there. At one point, it was like knocked down. And I said, you ah, didn't see that coming? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> But people go to all kinds of things. You know why? They go to all these sources because they want to know the future. They want to know what's going on in their life, what's going to happen in their life, but they don't want a boss. They want to know the future, but they don't want God to tell them. They don't want a Lord. They don't want someone else to have any kind of control in their life whatsoever. They don't want someone else to serve. And the Bible warns us. It warns us. Let what? No one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughters in fire. Now you may feel like it once in a while, but don't do it. Who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens or engages in witchcraft or casts spells. And who does medium or spiritualist or consults the dead. Anyone who does these things, what? Is detestable to the Lord. And because of the detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. And the truth of the matter is there are Christians today who go to the horoscope. They'll read that. They'll want to know what's going on. You think it's okay? Listen, if you know somebody who's doing that as a child of king, you need to politely and gently tell them you're heading the wrong track, you're going the wrong way. Because you're never going to find out God's will through a seance or a medium or a horoscope or astrology. Because the bottom line is this: that you're following the stars, you're not following the sun. S O N. You're not. You're not. Still, I am amazed that people you know what amazes me too is up here that sometimes people they keep trying to find determine God's will by their circumstances because they get this idea that everything's written out everything's figured out everything's gone so the circumstances good or bad or indifferent must be from God that must be the way He leads and directs us so I'm feeling I'm dealing with my circumstance and it's got to be God's will in my circumstance no I love that little one there's a hot lava there and a guy saying I feel pretty good about this to be honest You're going to die. I'm amazed how many believers try to determine God's will by their circumstances. Well, I missed the plane. Must be God's will. I'm stuck in this heavy traffic. Must be God's will. The offering plate skipped my row. Must be God's will. (laughs) I overslept this morning. I guess I'm going to go to church. Must be God's will. When you live your life by trying to figure out what God's will is by your circumstances, you're skating on thin ice and shaky grounds. You're building your life around circumstances, and you're going to get yourself in trouble. And I go through Scripture. I'm going to give you three examples now. Three examples of people, amen, who went by their circumstances, and the circumstances are the exact opposite of God's will. The first one comes to my mind is Jonah. Think about old oh, Jonah. God said to Jonah, he told with Jonah, God revealed to Jonah what he wanted, what his will was. He said, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach there. Well, Jonah hated those that were Nineveh. They were, they were enemies of Israel. They opposed him for years, and Jonah said, I ain't going. Now, he knows what God's will is, but he refuses to go. He says, He's got prejudice. He ain't going. I ain't going. They ought to go die and go to hell. I don't care. He said, I'm going. Instead of going east to Nineveh, he said, I'm going as far. <laughs> How far away from, I'm going west as far as I can go. So he, what's he do? He gets aboard a ship headed toward Tarsus and it's gotta be God's will because look at that. Look at the circumstances. There's a ship waiting for it going to Tarsus. That's wonderful. It's right there. Praise God. He's making a way. I got the money for a ticket. God has provided. Amen. There's space on the, on the boat. He gets on board. They take him on. It's gotta be God's will. Praise God. All of it's there. Amen. He forgot. God already said, I want you to go to Nineveh. But he's going by his circumstances. He thinks everything's going. How'd that work out for him? There's another example. Paul. Paul is is a prisoner. He's got to go to to Rome. And so, therefore, (laughs) he tells the guys in Acts, he said, Look, it's another Mediterranean cruise, by the way, about 2,000 years later. As a prisoner, night before they leave on the ship, he says to the people, to the the sailors and the captain, etc. He said, Guys, you don't want to go tomorrow. You're going to go right into a storm. But the Saturian, the scripture says, follows the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Makes sense. I mean, that makes sense to me. Who's Paul, right? He's a prisoner. <laughs> I would think Paul just doesn't want to go to Rome at this point. I would kind of, I would, at that point, I'd be, well, I'd be listening, I'd be saying to the owner and to the ship captain, this guy just is putting things off, man. You know, just go. And on top of all, the scripture says, There's a gentle wind begins to blow. Well, who's this guy telling us there's going to be a storm? Look at all the omens out there. Look at all the signs. There's a gentle wind beginning to blow. It's got to be the universe's power saying, yes, go on. Let's go for this circumstance, right? Scripture verse 13, A gentle south wind began to blow. And they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed Wow. Have you ever found yourself in a place where there's a gentle breeze coming into your life, and immediately you think, "This is wonderful; it's got to be God's plan in my life," and you find you're just going right smack dab into a storm? How many times I've said to you, you know, praise God, you know, when there's a tunnel, and you see the light at the end of the tunnel, we have a tendency to head towards it. Be careful; it could be a train. So you get this gentle breeze, you get the light at the end of the tunnel. It's got to be God, and all of a sudden you get run over. Everything falls apart. It's not of the Lord. You think you're going to get smooth sailing. But all of a sudden, there's this violent typhoon storm comes. Scripture says that. So they hear what's going on. They feel the storm, the gentle wind. They begin to blow. They said, yes, we got it. We're going to move on. And so all of a sudden, the Scripture says they're driven along. They lower the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. See, what happened to them was this. They get caught into this, this storm situation where they can't hold the ship together now. It's going to break up. So what do they do? They give up and they just kind of let it drift. That's what the scripture says. They launch out thinking it's going to be smooth sailing. They get this violent storm coming and they can't control the ship. It's impossible at this point in time. So they just give up and let it drift. You know, there's a lot of Christians are going to, on their epitaph, it's going to read something like, here lies a believer who trusted the circumstances. They gave up and just drifted. I see a whole lot of Christians who figure this. You know, God's got everything figured out, so I'm just going to drift in life. Whatever comes my way, I'm going to have to deal with it. It's just going to go with the flow. Are you kidding me? You're actually going by circumstances. You're figuring out, you're thinking God's will is wrapped up in circumstances. It's not a good thing. It's Not a good thing. Not a good thing. How many times have you thought something circumstantial was an open door to find it was just a trap door? I'll give you one more example, David. David sends out his army to go to war. It's in spring. He's sitting home lollygagging around in his PJs. He's upstairs looking out and he sees this beautiful woman taking a bath on the roof. Now I have to figure, why in the world is she on the roof taking a bath? He looks down. He says, she's looking fine. Her Husband's at war. I'm the king. I'm all alone. This is a circumstance God must be making for me. He's attractive. He falls into a fair. Circumstances were leading him in the wrong direction, in the wrong way. Did you know that Satan can actually manipulate circumstances? And so you need to be aware of those circumstances. You think it's God's will because it's here. You're dealing with it. You're looking at it. It's a circumstance being manipulated. Be careful. Number four, if you want to be led by the Spirit of God, don't be led by your feelings. Why? Because your feelings are going to lie to you all the time. Every emotion is temporary, whether it's good or bad. You can be thrilled at your wedding, praise God, but that thrill is not going to last. You can decide to go to Disney and be all kind of excited about that. You know, Whoa, it's great. You're going to get there in the crowds and all of a sudden you lose that excitement. Your team could win the Super Bowl. Praise God for the Patriots last year. But it's a brand new season. That victory that we experienced and we're jubilant about, we got to start all over again. Why? That thrill just lasted for a season. Because there's another season. Gronk's not going to be there. What are we going to do? And the most common mistake I hear from Christians is simply this. Well, let your conscience be your guide. Really? Sometimes your conscience is wrong. Because what you've been taken in is what you're going to give out. Look at Jeremiah tells us. Jeremiah says, The heart is what? Deceitful above all things and what? Beyond cure. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? heart's deceitful. I think we lie to ourselves more than we lie to anyone else. And just because you think it's true doesn't make it true just because someone else thought it was true doesn't mean it's true. Truth is simply truth. It's neither right or it's wrong. If it's not right, then it's wrong. But most decisions, most folks make the decisions based upon how they feel. And I love Christians who come up with these spiritual sayings. Well, Pastor Bob, I just had this peace about myself. I prayed and I had this Peace about it. Doesn't that sound spiritual? You're like, oh, you must have been in the presence of the Lord. I am so special that I'm actually listening to you. Let me tell you something. Feelings you had peace about it isn't enough. The Mormons will tell you to read the Book of Mormon and then pray, and you're gonna get this feeling. The scripture says it is a spiritual thing and it's a deceitful spirit that you're getting. So don't go by this emotional stuff. You, peace is a good thing, folks, but you better have more basis for, for your decision than just feeling peace. Because that peace that you're feeling, the good that you're feeling, I also talk about it often times, it could be, listen to me, it could be the result of a burrito that you ate last night. Remember Jonah? There's the ship. He's got the money. Take him on board. He goes to the bottom of the ship. He's falling asleep. It's wonderful, peaceful sleep, but he's out of God's will. Because he's totally disobeying the Lord. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but what? In the way it leads to death. Honey, what's that? It's feeling. It's what he's feeling. He's thinking it's going to be okay. There's that peace issue. And he got to stop. All right, so we just covered several things that we have to stop doing. Now let's look at some things that we need to start doing. Is that okay? Still with me? If you really want to be led by the Spirit of God, you must What? want to be led that's so simple it starts with the desire folks you have to have this intensely this passion in your prayer life about God's will because if you don't then God's thinking well I guess it's not important to you c'est la vie but you get to the point where you say, "I got to have that. I'm hungry. It's like I'm hungry and got to have food. It's like that, that I'm out of breath and I got to have oxygen." There is a desire. I desire. I want to be led. A desire to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. That's what I desire more than anything else. Your teaching. That's what I desire. Number two. You'll be willing to do what God says. Who can know God's will, but are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do it? Well, that's another story. Are you willing to follow Christ there? And I'm telling you, you've got to have that attitude that says, before I even know what the answer is, I'm willing in advance to say yes. John says, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will what? find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. You've got to make that decision. time. It's your choice. That's what he says. It's your choice. Your choice whether or not you're going to follow God's will. Number three, you want to be led by the Holy Spirit of God? Then you've got to look into God's word. Look to God's Word. We know this passage is familiar to us. Psalm 119, verse 107. The, Lord, the, word, the Word is a lamp unto my feet and what? A life from my path. And if you're not going to God's Word, you're walking around life without a flashlight. What good is that? Our desire should be, as Psalm 119, 133 says, direct my footsteps according to your Word. Notice this. Not in my emotions, not my feelings, not... No, direct my footsteps according to your word. It's not been pre-planned, but look at my footsteps according, if footsteps means it's now now, it's what's happening now. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin, my will over your will, rule over, over me. God's will is found in God's word. And I can easily say without a question that most of God's will has already been revealed. I can say that with clarity. And you go through Scripture, someone, young person, going to go Scripture, i got to read Scripture to find out who I'm supposed to marry. Listen, your spouse's name is not going to be in the Bible. Okay? And Be careful just flipping through the pages and pointing to something. You could come up with a name like Gomer. God wants you to marry Gomer. I would say, Lord, are you kidding me? Are you punishing me or what? No, no, no. You're not going to go through Scripture. You're not going to find that individual that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with, but you're going to find the principles in Scripture that tell you how to find the right kind of man or woman, the kind of person that God would choose. That's what you'll find the principle there. And I want to get you to mind that every single time you open the Word of God, God is opening His mouth. He's beginning to talk to you. And every single time you close the Word of God, God is shutting His mouth. We discover the will of God in the Word of God. We've got to. Let me put it this way. We've got to stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. That makes sense? I have to remind Nancy when she's taking on Kingdom Principles to write that one down because that's a good one. There are still folks today that just want God to somehow write the answer in the sky. They're looking for it. Oh, and why should He? He gave us a book. He's already written a book. And God, He will teach us the principles. And by the way, God expects us to, to obey those principles. He expects us to obey what we already know, what He's already revealed. His aunt, you know, you're praying for things. He's saying to you, are you doing what I've already revealed? You want no revelation. You want new information, new guidance. Are you doing what I've already shown you? Follow what I've already told you. Are you doing that? Because that's the key if you want to be led by the Spirit of God. Are you all, you know something, are you doing it? And one more thing, God's will never, ever, ever contradicts His word. Over the years as pastor, I've heard people say, I had this impression. Ted, what did you do? You run into something, leave an impression? What do you mean you had an impression? Well, I just got this idea. came over me. You know, cults start that way with an idea, with an impression. Look what Gen- Galatians says. Is, "Is this Even if an angel from heaven should come and preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. How many of us would freak out if an angel came to us and started speaking to us? Oh, let me write that down. I'm going to write a book. I'll be on a television circuit. Are you kidding me? Look what the scripture says. Even if an angel comes, Shows up and tells you something like, Here, I got some new books to add to your Bible. Don't trust it. Number four, you really been led by the Holy Spirit? Then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be your guide. Because we don't just have a book, we've also got the author to speak to our ears. He's going to tell us what? He's going to tell us. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in the straight path because of your because of my oppressors. So How does God do that? How does God lead me down the right path? Well, the Holy Spirit reminds us. Because, as I mentioned before, we have a... <laughs> that's why Jesus was, in fact, the master's reminder, because we have not a real good retention span. We aren't. How many times have we walked into a room today and we figure out... We try <laughs> why am I here, right? I forget. Retention. Have you have been talking to somebody and a situation is going on and you really don't know what to say and all of a sudden an idea pops into your mind and it just flows and where would that come from? No. It's Holy Spirit reminding you of that. And the more you get the book in you the more he can bring it out of you. It's important. If there's nothing in, of the book in your mind then what's going to come out? Nothing. God, see God gives us ideas. He gives us ideas through his word. He'll put ideas in our minds. He, he impresses the things upon our minds. Listen, I love this. Listen to me. When God gives you an idea, it's called inspiration. When the devil gives you an idea, it's called temptation. When you get an idea, it's just dumb. I'm messing. God wants us to use our brains. He does. He does. But remember something. When it comes to the evil one, Satan can only make suggestions. Whether or not we go by them, well, there's another matter. God will not control you though, because He's giving you a free will. And when He puts an idea in your mind and you respond to it, then He'll enlighten that idea in your heart and mind. Only only then. You see, Pastor Bob, is there any way to speed up this process to get ideas, God, God, God's ideas in a quicker way? Well, look at, look what Psalm 25 verse 9 says. It says, He guides the what? Humble. That's the way you speed up this whole process. Listen to me. You speed it up by humility. Amen. Ask humbly. Because the more humble you are in coming to the Lord, the quicker He's going to give you the information to speak to you. I love that. They're snails, and the first snails got like highball. You know, He's kind of moving quickly. He's speeding up the process. I love that. James chapter 1, verse 5 and 8 says this If any man lacks wisdom, he should what? Ask of God who gives generously to all who without fault finding it will be given to them. But when he asks, he what must do? He must must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, the man should not think. He will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in his ways. Verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourself. Do what it says. You ask humbly and you ask in faith. Are you really expecting him to answer to move? Because if you don't ask in faith, don't expect the Lord to give you solid answers. And last thing, the fifth thing is this listen for God's response. So it's so easy for us to bring that request before the Lord, that answer, oh, we want that answer. And then immediately we get up and we turn on television, go to the iPad, we get caught up in all kinds of things, and we just don't turn the radio off and spend a little time in quiet time before our Lord. See, we get caught up in all the phone calls and answering and text reading and all that stuff. The circuits are jammed, and because the circuits are jammed, God can't get through to you with the answer. Can't overemphasize the importance, but just take some private time alone. Everybody just sit quietly and God can make God can make a way when it seems to be no way. Amen? Alright. Time for us to come before the Lord and pray. Because those that wait upon the Lord are going to renew their strength. And I want us to come before the Lord, take this message what the Lord has revealed to us and just spend a little time before Him. I want you to, just something, Lord, I want to be led by the Spirit. I don't want to go on my own my own power. I don't want to do that. You said that your children will be led by the Spirit, your Spirit. So see, you use Scripture. You bring that Scripture, bring it back to Him. Father, you said that your children will be led by your Spirit. I'm a child. I want to be led by your Spirit. Starting today, Lord, there's a whole bunch of things. are a few things Pastor Bob brought out. Amen. There's stuff that I need to stop doing. Help me stop doing that. I don't want to be someone like sitting here in the service looking at myself in a mirror and I get up and I forget about all that. Lord, I want you to bring that back to memory. I, I, I want to stop doing some of those things. I can't follow the culture. That came up. If I'm following the culture, trying to fit in, then I'm not going to follow you. I cannot. Please help me, Lord. I cannot love this value system. I want to be an influence. I don't want to be influenced. I want to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. I don't want to look to other sources. And God Almighty, give me the strength to stop governing my life, your will, through circumstances. Being manipulated by those things. Transform my mind. Because your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet. It's Found in the word. You're the good shepherd. And you say amen, just spend some time before the Lord. you got tonight, tomorrow, the next, but just get our hearts and minds in tune with what our Lord wants us to do. Because he's promised he will guide us. For him to do that, though, we've got to stop some things. Stop doing some things. We've got to start doing some things. And he will. Amen? And amen. Altars are open. Spend some time before the Lord. Let us trouble my mind. All my cares and burdens unto you I roll. Amen. Praise his holy name. To be led by his Spirit. What an enjoying, what an enjoyable life to be led by His Spirit. Amen. Father, I ask now you touch and strength as we leave this place that everything be done according to your own way. Bring us back safely the next week. Lord, let us courage one another. Lord, be thankful for all the things which we've heard from you this day. Be able to put those in pl- place. Holy Spirit, give us the strength. We need the insight. We are, truly might be that example that you've called us to be to all. May we see that glory in the honor we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, folks. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.